0: I, uh, I preached in this church the first time in October, four years ago, I think, uh, and, I, and I tell you that to say I, I'm going to tell you the story that I told then, four years ago, but it's such a great story, it fits right in with what we're talking about, plus I just love telling this story. My dad pastored tiny little churches in South Carolina. Um, we would have, we had 40 people. It was Easter Sunday. And we were giving away a bicycle. That was a, that was a big day for us. And uh, my dad was like a lot of pastors of small churches. He was gifted in lots of different things. One of the things was building. He was just, he just could, he could build stuff. And every little church we went to, my dad decided to do some remodeling. And so in Rock Hill, South Carolina, they needed a, they didn't have a baptistry. And so there was, a, there was a, a room behind the platform. And my dad got the idea. He could knock out that wall. Put in a baptistry. There would still be room on the other side. For another wall. And then a little kind of a changing room. And so my dad started that project. And like pastors do sometimes. He got a little ahead of himself. And announced that we were going to have our first baptismal service. And the project wasn't quite done. Uh, everything was done except that wall there. And so... So uh, my dad went out on Saturday night to Kmart and bought one of those great big rugs, tapestry things, you know, Velvet Elvis or dog shooting pool or something like that, <laughs> something real religious, and uh, put that up there, and and the, the Sunday morning came, the church is packed, we had 40 people, it was a big it was a big day, and I've always told this story, Brother Smith and Sister Jones sat right down front, they're going to be baptized. My dad baptized Brother Smith first, and everybody clapped. It was wonderful, just exciting. First baptismal service in this church. And then he baptized Sister Jones. Now, Sister Jones is what we would call in the South a healthy woman. And, uh, and my dad, my dad is a small man. My dad is much smaller than I am. And he's also deathly afraid of water. So he baptized, and in fact, we got a glimpse of this here. He baptized Sister Jones, and when he did, her feet came out from under her. And all of a sudden, there's two feet straight up in the air. In a panic, she grabbed the first thing she could find, which was my dad's necktie. And now there's four feet sticking straight up in the water. And my dad panics and grabs the first thing he can find, which is that tapestry. It comes down, and there is Brother Smith in the suit that God has given him. And this is long before Michael Jackson, but he picked up a he picked up a folding chair and moonwalked his way out of the. <laughs> that's a crazy story, isn't it? One of my one of my fears is that that's going to happen to me sometime. No. One of my fears is that, that sometimes the baptismal service and baptism is kind of a punchline on a, on a funny story. That, that particularly in the evangelical church, we don't take it quite as seriously as we ought to. And we don't understand the full import of what it means to be Baptized. A lot of us see the baptismal Sundays that we have as wonderful times to get all of the family together, take pictures, come to church without fixing your hair because you know it's going to get wet anyway. And it's just kind of, it's that day, very, very seldom do we fully appreciate all that goes into the depth of meaning of this life-changing grace that we call water baptism. Um, let, let's start that discussion with a look at scripture. That's a, probably a good place to go. Romans chapter six, the first five verses, Paul writes this, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. This comes right in the middle of this discussion that Paul's having in, in the middle of Romans, Romans chapter 4, 5, 6, and 7, about that, that area, where Paul begins to talk about, about the law, about sin, about grace. And right in the heart of that is the, is this baptismal illustration. Uh, he, he, in chapter 5, he contrasts Adam and Jesus. remember that passage when he says, For just as by the disobedience of one man, Adam, we were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man, Christ, the many will be made righteous. And then he talks about the law and, and, and explains to us that the law was given... So that we might understand, through our inability to keep the law, that we might understand the need for grace. And, and we begin to get a hint of that, that frustration that's ours because, because of the inability to keep the law. He says, um, in, in, the, in chapter 6, verse 23, he says, "...for the wages of sin is death." But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That terrible punishment that's ours because we can't keep the law that God has given us. He goes on to chapter 7. Chapter 7 is that verse that every one of that, that passage that every one of us can identify with. When he's talking about this spiritual uh, struggle and, and, and the, the frustration of all of that. And remember that passage in, in chapter 7 when he says... Uh, uh, I do not understand what I do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do not do what I want to do, I agree that the law is good. And it's no longer I myself who do it, but it's sin living in me. For I know that God himself does not dwell in me, but that that is in my sinful, that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature. For I have a desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep doing. Now, aren't you confused? I mean, that just back and forth. And don't you identify with that? How many times have you said, I, 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 I will, I'm throwing the bottle out. I will never touch that stuff again. Or how many times have you said, I'm breaking off this relationship. I know it's not healthy and I'm not going to do that. Or how many times have you said, I'll never go to that website again. I, I promise I will never do that again. And yet we find ourselves right back in those places over and over and over again. The frustration of that, the, the, the neurosis that that creates in us. of The good I want to do, I can't do. And the evil I don't want to do, that's what I'm doing. He, he, he begins to wrap up that passage in verse 24 when he says, Oh wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And it might be an illustration to this, this Roman habit of they would punish a murderer by strapping the body of the victim onto the back of the murderer, chaining them and forcing that murderer to carry that, that dead, rotting corpse around until the, the putrid flesh rotted its way through the corpse and, and onto the body of the living uh, murderer. And, and eventually, death came by, by, by just rotting away. How many times have we carried around that stinking, stupefying body of stuff that we want so desperately to get rid of, and we can't? Now, there's hope, because the final part of that chapter, he says, uh, he says, but we were therefore buried, or I'm sorry, the final part of that, he says, but thanks be to God because of the grace that is given us through Christ Jesus our Lord. In the midst of all that is this little, almost out of place conversation about baptism. What does that mean? Well, I think that baptism is important in all of that because that's part of the way that we find our way out of this morass of The good I want to do, I don't do. And the evil I don't want to do, that's what I do. Baptism becomes this this means of grace. That's a pretty important phrase. It becomes this means of grace that helps me to overcome living the way I don't want to live. So, I want to share with you three words. Just three words. They're words that you're familiar with. But that might help us to understand better this idea of baptism. The three words are these. Ritual ordinance and sacrament, ritual, ordinance, and sacrament. First word's ritual. Ritual is a religious ceremony, a solemn ceremony, consisting of a series of actions performed according to a prescribed order. A ritual is something that we do repeatedly that reminds us of the grace of God in our lives. Doris and I hold hands when we pray, preferably with each other, uh, but we hold hands when we pray. A few times I've been flying without Doris and when the plane takes off I start to pray and it's kind of embarrassing. I, I've been slapped by two stewardess and punched by a big fat guy when I reached over and took his hand and hold his hand to pray. But preferably we hold hands with each other. That's a ritual that we have. And it reminds us of all the times that God has shown himself faithful for us. That he's answered prayer. That his grace has been active in our lives. So we we participate in this ritual. In our church, we, we raise our hands when we sing. We stand very often when Pastor Eddie reads the scripture. Rituals that remind us that God has come through for us over and over and over again. We... We are uh, participating in that when we go through a baptismal service. It's a, it's a ritual. It's a tradition that tells us that God has been faithful in our lives over and over and over again. And when these young people are baptized, I remember when I was baptized and what God did in my life and what that meant to me. It, it, a ritual is a, it, it's a, something that makes us aware of the grace of God in our lives and of his love for us. Well, the second word is ordinance. An ordinance carries a little more weight than ritual. An ordinance is an authoritative order, a decree, a solemn reenactment. We use the word ordinance in government vernacular. Uh, there's a sound ordinance in my neighborhood. That means you can't come in at midnight bubba with your low rider and your, and your bass uh, amps just buzzing so that it makes the silverware rattle in the drawers in my house. There's a sound ordinance. You can't do that. There are also spiritual ordinances. The spiritual ordinance is a decree by God, a command that He gives us... ...to do something in a certain way at a certain time in response to His presence and to His grace. A ritual reminds us of His grace, an ordinance we do because of His grace. For example, the writer in Hebrews says, "...do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together." as some are in the habit of doing, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. We might call that an ordinance, that God has established the church and said, I want you to meet together on a regular basis because of the grace I have extended to you. It's important for you to do this. I command you to do this because of the grace that I, am, that I, am, that I have extended to you, that I'm, that I'm giving you, an, an ordinance. The Assemblies of God church... I did a little research because I'm relatively new to, to you all. The Assemblies of God Church has 16 statements of fundamental truths. Number six is this. We believe in water baptism by immersion after salvation and Holy Communion as a symbolic remembrance of Christ's suffering and death for our salvation. These two things are called ordinances or commands of God. And when we are baptized... We are baptized, or when we take communion, we're responding directly to God's grace in our lives. We are baptized because of the grace that God has extended us. We take communion because of the sacrifice that God has made. Uh, does, that, does that make sense to you? We are, we are not just remembering it, but we're doing this in response to it because of the grace of God in our lives. We could just stop right there and, and some of you probably say, that's a good idea. Why don't you just stop right there? We could just, we could just stop right there and, and that in itself would be enough for, for baptism to be far more important than I think the weight we often give to it. But there's a third word that I want to remind you of. Now, it's a word that we don't use as often in the Protestant church, but that word is sacrament. A sacrament is a religious ceremony or act uh, that's regarded as an outward and visible sign of inward and spiritual divine grace. A sacrament, by its very nature, is a reflection of the grace that God is doing in my life at that very moment, at the moment that I am outwardly demonstrating the grace. In, In other words, a sacrament is not only because of what God is doing, but while I am doing it, it is... It is enabling the grace of God to be at work in my life. Another word for that would be means of grace. That it becomes a means of grace. That by doing this very thing, I am participating in the grace of God. Uh, Let's take communion, for example. The very act of taking communion is not only in response to the grace of God, but by doing that, we are appropriating God's grace in us. So Pastor Eddie holds up the little McDonald's cup that he does. And he holds that up and he says, this is the body of Christ. And when he does that, we are literally ushered into the presence of the Almighty. The the act of us doing that together. Now, our our Catholic brothers and sisters, they believe in transubstantiation. Isn't Isn't that a fun word? I just, every time I preach, I want to use the word transubstantiation. They believe in transubstantiation, which means that when the priest prays for the elements, when he prays for the host, that literally the bread becomes the body and the wine becomes the blood. That they literally become the body of blood of Christ. We don't go that far, but we do believe that at that moment that Pastor Eddie prays and we eat the bread together... That's what makes us the body of Christ. That that the act of doing that makes us the body of Christ. And in doing that, we are ushering in the grace of God for our lives. The sacrament is a means of grace. By taking communion, by being baptized, we are making God's grace available to us at that very moment. Does that make sense? So you see that progression from ritual to ordinance to sacrament? Well, here's what I believe. I know you're so excited to know what I believe. But here's what I believe. I believe that baptism is both an ordinance and a sacrament. In fact, I believe it's all three. I believe that it's a ritual, an ordinance, and a sacrament. When we are baptized, or even when we are celebrating baptism with our brothers and sisters, we're doing something that reminds us of the goodness of God. It's a ritual. We're doing something that He commands us to do. It's an ordinance in response to His grace. And we're doing something that truly ushers us into His presence and makes His grace known to us right then and there at that very moment. So so look one more time at verse 5 that we read. We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that Do you see those words? In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We participate in baptism because the outcome of that is that we are able to be a part of this new life in Christ. Let Let me quickly just share with you four reasons why all of that is important, I think. First of all, Jesus was baptized... We should be baptized because Jesus was in Matthew three thirteen through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It's proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, the heaven was opened. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Jesus was baptized. If it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. The the second thing is that Jesus commanded us to baptize. One of the last commandments he gave us was that we would baptize. In Matthew 28... Verses 18 through 20, he says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We are called to be baptizers. I... I, uh, I'm old. Let me just confess to you, I'm old. And some of this new stuff is a little hard for me to get used to. But here's the new thing. I, I, it's not hard for me to get used to. I love it when our pastor doesn't baptize. And when a father comes up and baptizes his children. Or or when a youth pastor baptizes their, their kids. I I love that. Because we are called to do that. To make disciples. And to baptize. So So it's... It was important because Jesus was baptized. It's important because Jesus commanded us to baptize. Peter and Paul connected baptism to salvation. In Acts 2.38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. That's what Peter says. Paul says in Galatians 3.27, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ." Now, I just want to stop here and be clear. I don't think either Peter or Paul are saying that to be baptized is what makes you saved. I don't think that's what they're saying. I think they're both saying that baptism is kind of the inseparable, inevitable response to the grace of God in our lives that demonstrates this salvific work so that... He saves me and I just inevitably respond to that by being back. You can't separate those. It's like Doris and I going to the standing before the, the minister and being married. And then he say, OK, we're married now. Let's just you go back to your house and I'll go back to my house and hope you have a good life. Us, us living together is an inevitable response. We're not married because we live together, by the way. That's a whole nother sermon. But but we I'll do that another time. But we, but we live together as this inevitable response to the fact that this grace of God has come into our lives when we're married. And baptism is that. Finally, baptism is a means of grace. In Peter, First Peter 3.21. And that water is a picture of baptism which now saves you. Isn't that an interesting phrase? Now saves you. Not by the removing of dirt from your body, but as a response to God... From a clean conscience, it is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul says in Galatians two and Colossians two twelve, "For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead." We're, let me say again: we're not saved by baptism, but baptism is this means of grace, and by our very participation in it we become aware of and, and make available to us this whole new level of God's grace as, a, as a, His response to that act that we, that we go through. Baptism is important because Jesus did it, because He commanded us to do it, because Peter and Paul talk about it, and because it's a means of grace. Well, two more words and then I'll shut up. You know, I always say to my clients, I'm going to shut up. And I, they say, you never do. When you say that, you never do. <laughs> Dora says that a lot, too, by the way. But two more words. These are short words. In fact, they're prepositions. The words are in and into. Two more words, in and into. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 28, Paul writes this. This is the word into. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is therefore neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. When we are baptized, we join into, we, we participate in the very nature of being Christ. One of my favorite I guess my life verse, if I have to choose a life verse, it's Philippians 3:10 and 11, I want to know Christ. And the power of His resurrection. And the fellowship of sharing in His suffering. Becoming like Him as He is. And so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. I, I want to participate. The fellowship of sharing in His suffering. And becoming like Him as... And baptism allows me to do that. When I'm baptized, I, I, and when I'm celebrating baptism with brothers and sisters... I am literally participating in the very nature of Christ, and so where two or three are gathered together, he's there because we have joined into him, we are baptized into him, and when we are to well let me give you a, a, a far more pertinent example when evil tries to come into our community and, and, and tries to make a statement about who we are. We link arms together, brothers and sisters, and it doesn't matter black or white or Hispanic or Asian. We link arms together and we stand against that and we stop that. Not because we're something special, but because we're something special. Because we have been baptized into Christ. And as the body of Christ, we are able to do exceeding abundantly more than we ever thought or imagined. That's important stuff. We are baptized in two, and that's important. Here's the second little word. We are baptized in. We read this verse. Let me read it to you again. Acts two thirty-eight: Repent and be baptized in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The grace of God comes to us during baptism because of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And baptism in His name carries with it the weight of all the power and the anointing that is implied in that. We are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. I uh, I have a, a checkbook. I don't get to see it very much. Doris carries it most of the time. But I, I think I have. I have a checkbook. And And if I tear off a check and give that to you, it is really pretty meaningless. You know, it doesn't mean anything. in fact, if you knew how much was in my account, you would really know it's meaningless. But it's pretty it's pretty meaningless. That that check represents the money that I have in my account, all forty seven dollars and twenty three cents. That that check represents that. But until I sign my name to it, it really carries no weight when I am baptized in the name of Jesus, the ritual is that this reminds us of all of His grace. The ordinance is that we're doing this because He owns the checkbook and He's given it to us. But being baptized in His name is that means of grace whereby He signs the check and says everything that is that is me, everything that I'm about is now available to you. So we are baptized in two The body of Christ. And we're baptized in the name of Jesus. And that's pretty important. That means something. Well, I wish I was so smart to say this, but Bill Gaither said it better than me. So let me just say it the way Bill Gaither says it. Jesus. Jesus. The mere mention of his name can calm the storm, heal the sick, or raise the dead at the name of Jesus I've seen sin-hardened men melted derelicts transformed and the lights of hope put back into the eyes of the hopeless child at the name of Jesus hatred and bitterness turned to love and forgiveness argument cease. I've heard the mother softly breathe his name at the bedside of a child delirious from fever and I've watched that little body grow quiet and that fevered brow cool I've sat beside the dying saint, her body racked with pain, who in those final fleeting seconds summoned her last ounce of ebbing strength to breathe her sweetest name, Jesus, Jesus. Emperors have tried to destroy it. Philosophies have tried to stamp it from the face of the earth with the very blood of those who claimed it, yet still it stands. And so shall it be in that final day, when every voice that has ever uttered a sound, every voice of Adam's race shall raise in one great and mighty chorus to proclaim the name of Jesus. For in that day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Ah, you see, it wasn't mere chance that caused the angel one night long ago to the, say to the virgin maiden, His name shall be called Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, there is something about that name. Everything you'll ever need can be unlocked with the name of Jesus. There's no demon in hell that doesn't recognize that name. Whenever you say it, darkness flees. Every wicked plan the devil has for you is defeated because of the name of Jesus. He's our Messiah, the anointed one our deliverer the lamb of God he is our master and redeemer he is Christ the son of God and when we are baptized we are baptized into who he is and in his name (laughs) yeah and that's no joke (laughs) that's important stuff and so writer of the Acts says to us repent and be baptized because everything good that is ours as followers of Christ comes to us through that means of grace when these kids did that today all of that was available to them and to us because we watched that Jesus Jesus so I encourage you to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission.